Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Today's episode features Nicole Cole. She is a wife, mother, interior design enthusiast, and early childhood expert. All of her roles come together in her home on the internet as the Polished Playhouse. We are excited to have her on on today to share her story. Hello, Nicole. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to to share my story. Yes. Welcome, welcome. Can you first start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family? Sure. So um, I'm originally from Grand Rapids, Michigan. I came to D.C. in 2004 to attend Howard University. I'm very proud bison. Um, My husband and I got married in 2014. Um, We have one son. We have two sons, actually. We have one son named Jonah, who is three years old. He'll be four next month. And then we have, we just had Shiloh, who was five weeks on Wednesday. And we currently live um, in Maryland outside of D.C. Yes. Congrats on all that newness. <laughs> I have no, I have two whole children. I have two children. <laughs> two whole humans. You know yeah. that motherhood will have that, have you do that, won't it? Just be yeah. like, you just be talking, talking yeah. about your family and you go somewhere and they're like, what's the date of birth for such and such? You yeah. like. I have started doing that with the doctor's appointments. I have to make sure not to get the birthdays mixed up. Sometimes I call Jonah Shiloh. Sometimes I call Shiloh Jonah. I'm like, hey, we're we're all here. Right. One of (laughs) y'all. Exactly. Exactly. Just a little bit about your pregnancy. So um, I'll talk just like a little bit about my C-section just as contacts for my VBAC. So I had a C-section with my first son, Jonah. Um, he was, due to what they said was weight and um, poor positioning. Um, so I went into labor with him at home. I had, had a really, really great um, pregnancy with him. Um, I was able to work out a lot. I walked a lot, walked, walked a lot. Um, never once considered that I would need a C-section for him. Um, at about like 36 weeks, I went for an ultrasound and like, okay, this is a big baby. <laughs> um, 100th percentile, like above the 100th percentile in some areas for weight, for length, his head was big. He was just all around a big baby. Um, I hadn't gained a lot of weight, so I was just surprised to find out that he was just this huge baby. Um, but still, I didn't think that I would need a, need a um, C-section for him. Um, my doctor at that time, she, she was just, just very, like a very cautious person, um, sometimes for good and sometimes not. Um, she, she, she thought that it would be an issue with the big baby, but was still like, well, let's wait and see. One of the things about her was that she was like a solo practice and she was always like super, super busy. She's a popular doctor. So she was always like really busy. So one day I was in the in the waiting room and I'm like, there's no way she delivers all these babies. <laughs> so I asked her, I'm like, in the event that you can't deliver, deliver 
my baby, like, what happens? And she's like, oh, I work with a guy, but th that never happens. Like, don't even worry about that. I'm, I'm always there. If I have to sleep at the hospital, whatever. So I went into labor. When I went into labor with Jonah, I was home up until about seven centimeters. I got to the hospital. My water broke in triage. They checked me. They're like, okay, you're seven centimeters. You need to get back. Got back to the delivery room. My doctor came in. This was this ends up being the only time I see her. Honestly, I've seen her since. Um, that I see her, she comes in and she's like, oh, you need an epidural. And I'm like, why? And she's like, you know, even though you're seven centimeters, this was the easy part. What happens if you hemorrhage and you need just, just really saying these really odd things to pressure me into the epidural. And at this point, I know now like I was likely in transition, like I was in pain. So I'm like, I don't want this epidural, but she's she's laying on these scare tactics sticks. So I'm like, okay, sure, I'll get this epidural. Got the epidural, two hours passed, I was able to rest, and then it was time for me to push. Um, I ended up pushing for maybe like two and a half hours. We would see a little bit of his head, he'd go back in. We'd see a little bit and he'd go back in, but he was perfectly fine. Like on the monitors, there was no cause for concern. So the nurse says, well, let me go get the doctor. So to my surprise, a man walks in. <laughs> Never seen him before in my life. I'm like, who is this? So my doctor actually had left for the day and there was this new doctor. He comes in, he looked around the room. He just was a very, he was very cold. He looked around the room and he's like, you cannot push this baby out, he's too big we need to do a c-section and i'm like bawling like no i'm gonna do it i can push him out and he's like no so at this point my husband walks over to him and it's like i need to talk to you outside <laughs> my husband goes outside with him he, he he runs down this list of all of these things shoulder getting caught like all of these things my husband comes in he's like you know it's totally up to you Ultimately, they left it up to me. At this point, I'm exhausted. I'm like, this first time mom, they're telling me I'm having this massive baby. It's no way. So I got the C-section, but I always just felt like it was just like a rush decision. My doctor wasn't there. Um, it was this new doctor that I had never, never seen. My son ended up being nine pounds, four ounces. He was a big baby. He was huge. <laughs> like, he had a big head. He had, he was, he was a big boy. So, um, that was the reason for, for, for my C-section. And I always, after that, you know, I had a decent recovery. C-section recovery is, is a challenge, but I did not have like a horrible recovery, but I, I just, I knew I didn't want to do it again if I could help it. So I started researching and a lot of what I said, what, a lot of what I read said, you know, you should wait at least 24 months before getting a, um, a vaginal birth after a C-section and with the biggest risk being uterine rupture. So I started researching um, hospitals in the area. We ended up moving to Maryland. I found this really great um, practice of midwives in Maryland. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go here. Once I get pregnant, I'm gonna have a doula. I'm gonna have all of these things. So I found out I was pregnant in October of 2019. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm on the path for this VBAC. I'm gonna go get this VBAC. I went to the to the midwife practice that I had always always look, already had looked into. It was four midwives. Two of them were black. Um, 
And that was that was a, a big thing for me from the very beginning. I'm like, I'm gonna have black midwife, I'm gonna have black midwife or a black OB. This is gonna be a black woman that's bringing this baby here. I just kept saying that over and over. So I went to the, the midwife practice. Again, I had like a pretty great pregnancy. The first trimester, I was never sick with, with my first son, but with the second one, I was terribly sick. <laughs> I was so nauseous. I couldn't eat. Um, I, it was days I couldn't even like drink water. I ended up losing weight um, within those first 12 weeks. But other than that, I had like a really, I had another like really good pregnancy. So I was seeing these midwives. The first appointment I went to, I met this black midwife. I remember she had pink hair. I was like, yes, this is it. I have found my people. <laughs> and she, and they never once, they, they never, they never seemed worried. It was like, obviously they told me the risk of uterine rupture when you have a VBAC, um, but they weren't worried. And one of the things that my first doctor always did was I always felt like not only was I pregnant, like she treated me like I was sick. Even though I was having like a really healthy pregnancy, I was generally a, a, a moderately healthy person. She always treated me like I was sick, but when I was with the midwives, it was just like, oh yeah, girl, we're going to have this feedback. We're going to have this baby. We don't have to worry. You don't have to see any specialists. You don't have to, we're just going to do it. So this was October. I went to them all the way up through 20 weeks in March. Um, the very first day that um, I work in DC, so the very first day that the mayor closed schools and, and sent everybody to work from home because of COVID, I'm sitting at my desk. This new thing is here, this coronavirus. I'm sitting at my desk and I get an email. We are so sorry, after 20 years, the practice is closing. I am like, what? <laughs> no. The practice is closing. The midwife who started it and who ran it, she just could not, she just couldn't maintain it. So it was going to close in May when I would be like 28 weeks. So they're like, you can continue your care through May, but you can't, that's it. In May, that's it. So I just was like, no, no, no. Who am I going to find? So there was another midwifery in the area that was where I would deliver at the same hospital. So I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll, I will continue my care with, with them because I feel comfortable with them. And then I'll go to this, this second one. So I stayed there with them. I was just so devastated because I had met both black midwives. They were just so positive. They were, it, it was, they never even once, it was like I was just a regular first time mom having a vacuum birth. They never made me, made me feel um, any type of way. So I'm like, okay, but I'll transition to the, to the second one after like around 28 weeks. Um, transition there, went to the first appointment. This was the first time my husband couldn't be there. Um, the other appointments, even though it was like the midst of COVID, they still were allowing them. This new practice was like, no, he can't come. So that was like the first thing. I knew a lot of people were doing that, but that was like the first red flag because there wasn't that many cases in our area at that time. So it wasn't, there weren't a lot of places that were not allowing partners. So the fact that they, they were like, no partners, I was like, okay. So I go, I meet this midwife. Um, she comes in and she's like, so you want to have a VBAC. Um, I'm going to tell you now you have about a 30% chance. She didn't tell me her name. She didn't ask my name. 
<laughs> she didn't ask any specifics of the C-section. She's like, I'm telling you now you have a 30% chance. I put your information into this calculator and you, you just have a 30% chance. So the problem with the calculator is that the calculator uses race as a risk factor. So by virtue of being black, <laughs> you have a bad, you have a poor chance of having a feedback, no matter what your background, no matter what. So she shows me the calculator and I'm like, okay. So she just went on and on and she just was so negative. And she's like, well, I mean, tell me what you've been doing with yourself. At this point, I was about 28 weeks and I think I had gained maybe 18 pounds. I had gained such little weight because I had such a long period in the beginning where I just couldn't eat. So she's like, tell me what you've been doing with yourself. I mean, do you work out? I'm like, well, I've been walking. <laughs> like she just was so, she's like, I'm going to order you a blood pressure cuff. I've never had high blood pressure and never, it just was like, she was just laying on these things. And I was just like, I left and I'm like, but this was this was the only other midwife practice in the area. I have to I have to do it. And I called my husband, and he was like, "No, we're not dealing with that. We'll we'll find someone else." So we ended up looking into other other area other hospitals, other doctors in the area. I with the first practice that I was with because I was having a VBAC, I had to go see an OB to like sign off to okay that it, I could have a VBAC. And I saw this black OB, she was great. She signed off and be back. So I thought about like, well, maybe I'll go to her. So I go to the website. I try to call to make an appointment with her. And they're like, well, we don't assign them to a specific doctor. It's just kind of the luck of the draw. So I go on the website and it's like 18 doctors deep. So I'm like, no, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is too much of a chance. I literally would need 18 people to agree to give me this feedback and that's not going to happen. So no. So we're like, we want to, we, we ended up looking back into hospitals in DC, even though we were in Maryland, like on a good day, maybe like 30 minutes outside of DC, if there's traffic, like 40, 45 minutes. So we had a friend that was a doula that told us, you know, if you want a, a VBAC, your best chance is to go to GW um, hospital in DC. And if you go on their website, it's just like trial of labor after cesarean is just their standard. They give it to everybody. They allow everybody to at least try it. I'm like, oh, that's so far. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> so I went to the first appointment at GW. I was 32 weeks and I met a doctor. And at this point, I've switched three times. I've read all the articles like I'm ready. So she's like, well, have you ever had this calculator? And I'm like, no. And let me tell you why I'm not having the calculator. Because it uses racist and risk factor. It's racist. Blah, blah. And she's like, whoa. Man. <laughs> she's like, whoa. You know, I'm not trying to talk you out of it. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> My husband was like, chill, girl. But I, at that point, I was like, I, all of this is happening. Coronavirus is happening. Like, everything is happening. Like, the world is on fire. Like, literally, I'm like, I'm getting this feedback. Like, I'm telling you, I'm telling everybody who will listen, I'm not spending extra days in this hospital. I have a three-year-old son. I can't be bothered with sexual recovery again. I'm having this baby. So she was great. That doctor was great. I went back to, I was scheduled to go back two weeks later, and I met um, another doctor. She also was really great, was really supportive. So at this point, I'm 34 weeks, and because of COVID, you still could not have doulas. 
So the two things that I always said, I always affirmed was like, I want a black midwife or a black OB to deliver my baby and I want a doula. But they were like, no doulas, no doulas, no doulas. So one of the things that I have been doing is in both my pregnancies, I got prenatal massage from um, this amazing massage therapist, Tracy NPC. Um, and she's, she was, she's also a doula. So she was on doula listserv. So she was emailing me, uh, texting me like, hey, I hear they might be allowing doulas back at this hospital, at that hospital. I'll let you know if I hear anything about um, GW. So she texted me one night, like, the doulas can come back. So I went on the, on the website. I'm 34 weeks at this point. I'll go on the website. And sure enough, you can have doulas again. So I'm like, I have to find a doula, like, tomorrow. <laughs> so I, she told me about a doula. And unfortunately, that doula had retired. So I went to that, the retired doula. I went to her Instagram page. And there were other doulas commenting, like, oh, we'll miss you so much. Thanks for training me, blah, blah, blah. So I just went creeping through the comments like, <laughs> she's not, she's retired, but I'm going to find somebody who's associated with her, who's been trained by her, because I heard so many great things. So I ended up finding my doula, um, Fatima. So I sent her a message. I'm like, I'm 34 weeks. Will you take me, like, please? So we had a call, and she was telling me, like, you know, I really don't, um, service your area that much, but can I think about it? Um, and we had this really great call. So I was really hoping that she would like take me so late. Um, and she ended up saying yes. Um, and she was just like such a such an important part of, of my birth team. Um, we only met in person twice before, I think we only talked three times. We had the initial like phone um, call we only met in person once, actually, before I had the baby. We had two, like, Zoom calls, like, the initial, and then we had the first one where we, like, talked about birth and, and affirmations, and she, she talked about some positions with, like, with me and my husband, and then she came over to our house, um, and she showed my husband, like, positions that he can do and, like, different things that we could do in labor. I think that was on a Saturday. Um, my last day of work was on that um, Monday. Um, I think that was on a Friday that um, Fatima came over. On Saturday, I went to my chiropractor because one of the things that I found out in just reading the notes from my first birth is that my son was in a really bad position. So he was sunny side up and then he was also big. So it was just, it was, he was just in a terrible position. So from 20 weeks on, I went to a chiropractor every two weeks. On a Saturday, um, I think maybe I was like 37, 70-ish weeks at this point. On that Saturday, I went to get my final adjustment. I had to do a come over on Friday. Saturday, I went and got an adjustment. On Sunday, I'm like, I'm getting this baby out. So on Sunday, I went and had an induction massage. So <laughs> I went, had the massage, and did all the pressure points. I left, and I'm like, this, this is not a thing. Like, this is massage. Like, this is not going to happen. So that was Sunday. On Monday was my last day of, of work. Um, I had been working remotely, so Monday was my last day of work. Tuesday, we went to the hospital, and I had switched to the midwives. I forgot that part. Oh, God. So I, not only had I switched to the hospital, my first two visits were with the OBs, and my doula is the one who encouraged me. She's like, it's very late. And if you know anything about like hospitals in our area, like the GW midwives, they have this kind of reputation for being kind of strict. They have this diet that you follow. They have all these things. I'm like, there's no way 
they are gonna let me switch to the to their the practice at essentially like at full term, like 38 weeks. What my dude is like, just ask them next time you go, ask him. So the OBs actually sent an email, she CC'd me on it. And she's like, we have this patient, she really wants me um to be careful about the midwives. No, it's late, but if you'll consider. So my next appointment, I get there at 38 weeks, and they're like, oh, you're being seen by the midwives. And I'm like, yes like they i i don't know why i don't know how i'm just so grateful they let me switch so i'm like yes i get to go to the midwife suite i'm walking back there and this black midwife comes in and i'm like no and she comes in and she was she was like so amazing the first thing she my husband's name is willie and the first thing she said was like your name is willie my dad's name is willie like why why you named willie like and it just was like this familiarity that we had with her. And I'm like, oh, I'm 38 weeks now. I was like 38 weeks and three days. I'm like, I'm gonna, she's gonna deliver my baby. I said it, I said it to my husband. I got in the car and I was like, she's gonna deliver my baby. Like, I just know it. So the next day, um, I woke up at eight o'clock and I was having some contractions. They were about like 10 minutes apart. And I'm like, these contractions are different from the Braxton Hicks, but like, I have stuff to do. So like I went to Chick-fil-A. I went to the FedEx to, to print out some pictures for my son's nursery. I went to HomeSense to look for a frame for the pictures I printed out. This whole time, like I'm in labor. And I don't, I knew I was in labor because the contract, it was like 10 minutes starting at eight o'clock, but like noon, we were like closer to like eight, seven, eight minutes. So I'm like, I need to get home. Like I'm in like labor. It's not going away. Like I know it. So text, the, text um, Fatima the doula and we were like, my husband was like, you know, it's like six, seven minutes away. She's like, I think you got some time, you know, eat some food, get some rest. So I ate, I went and got in the bathtub. And at this point I'm like in like labor. So I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> so we called the midwives. They were like, yeah, you probably should head on in. It sounds like, you know, you're, you're pretty close. So my doula was gonna meet us at the house but things progressed so quickly, she just said she'd meet us at the hospital. So on the way to the hospital, I'm like playing the affirmations on Bluetooth this whole time. I'm like, I am pushing this baby out. I've come this far, I've switched all these times. All these people have told me, no, like I am pushing this baby out. Like, it, and I'm like in pain. So we get there, I literally don't even remember the drive. And it's like a 30 minute drive. We just get there. As soon as we get there, I see um, Fatima just standing there. And I'm like, how did she get here? She's already parked. She is standing at the entrance. She is like ready. So we pull in, she's standing right there. I'm like holding onto her shoulders, having contractions. And at this point we're like one and a half, maybe two minutes apart. Like they are very close. And the, the guy like in the park, the parking guy was the part, the guy that was in the parking lot, this, this black guy, he was so sweet. He's like, you need a wheelchair, ma'am? Do you need a wheelchair? And I'm like, no, I don't need a wheelchair. And I, like, when I think back on it, I just kept saying, I'm gonna have this black midwife, it's gonna be great. But God sent all the good black folks there for me that day. I mean, like the parking lot guy was so sweet. The people at the front desk, they're like, you okay? He's like, come on, mama, you gotta breathe. The people at the elevator, like everybody, like every single good person that was available in DC on that day was there. <laughs> so we got up to the, we got up, we got off the elevator, 
they're like, oh, you didn't register. So I'm like, no. So I'm like, yes, I did. So I'm like frantically trying to pull up the email and like full on labor. My husband's like, just forget it. Let's just do it again. So we labor. I mean, we, we, we check in. At this point, I'm like, I am in labor. I don't know how far with my, with my first son. I got to seven centimeters before I got there. With this, with, with this one, I'm like, I just don't want them to tell me I'm like two centimeters or something. <laughs> so I get back. We all have these masks on, so it's like, it's hard to breathe. We get back, and before we get back, and the nurse picks up the phone, and she says, who is the midwife on call? And she says, oh, Anaya. And Anaya is the midwife, that I, the Black midwife that I had met the day before. At this point, I am bawling. And everybody thinks I'm in pain, but I'm like, no, this isn't exactly what I said. Ten months ago, I'm like, it's going to be a Black midwife. Yesterday, I said, it's going to be that midwife. And so I'm like so emotional that at least she's there. I don't know what's going to happen, but at least that part, that part happened. So she comes in. At this point, I have no idea. She comes in. She checks me. I'm nine centimeters, 90% effaced. Baby is at a, a one or plus one, however you say it. And the thing is, John and my first son never got past zero. So I have, he... Shadow was already further down than Joan was. So I'm like, okay, okay, how you do it? Like, I'm, I'm here. But this is the point where I also realized there is no turning back. You have to push this baby out naturally, Nicole, because this is it. Like, so they're like, okay, we're gonna, we have to give you a COVID test. So I'm like, oh, do I have to wait for the results? So they give me the swab and they're like, well, we'll just stay here and wait for the results. No, we did not wait for results. They're like, we have to get her back. So they push me back. As soon as I get in the delivery room, I'm still in my street clothes. As soon as I get in the delivery room, I feel all this pressure. And I'm like, it's the baby. I have to, I have, it's the pressure. It's the pressure. And my husband went to move the car because he had just left the car like in the middle of the entryway to the hospital. So he had to go move the car. And um, Fatima was texting him like, you better get up here. Like she's about to have this baby. So I felt all this pressure. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm real, like I have to do this. I'm looking around, like there is no chance for an epidural. Like you, you missed it. Like so I feel all of this pressure. And then um my husband runs back in and I'm on all fours. My back is to everyone. So I hear and I'm just like, <laughs> I like let out this huge scream. And Anaya comes in and she's like, Nicole, like in this very calm tone. She's like, Nicole screaming like we're not gonna do this (laughs) and it was it was that familiarity that I knew that I needed and she just was like no she's like why don't you try to just like grunt and Fatima is just like this beautiful like calm spirit and she's like Nicole remember your breathing and you have to breathe the baby out so I'm like doing all of the breathing that she told me I'm doing this growl my husband's there he's like you know you can do it so I'm doing my growling, I'm doing my breathing. At this point, I have no idea, I have no concept of time, but it's really like 10 minutes has passed since I've been in the back and really only like, I had only been at the hospital for about less than an hour. So I'm, I'm on all fours, I'm like growling this, breathing this baby out. And she says, um, the midwife says, um, his, his, heart, his heart rate is dropping. You have to get him out now. And I'm like, oh no. And she's like, no, no. <laughs> like, we don't have no time for this. She's like, no. Turn over, 
and we're going to get this baby. I was like, oh, okay. I want to do it. I want to do it. I want to do it. And they're like, yes, yes, yes. And one of the things that was so different was like the nurses were, they, they weren't just there like, okay, push. They were just like really cheering me on. They were, they were, they were amazing. Like all of the nurses, everyone I had was just so great. So it was this nurse. Her name was, um, oh darn, I always, I forget, but I, I used to know because <laughs> I used to tell everybody she was so great. Um, I can't think of her name now, but um, I'm holding on to her pants. Like they turn me over and I literally turn over and I have like a handful of her pants in my hand and she did not miss a beat. She just was like, okay, she's going to just hold on to my pants all aggressively, okay? So I'm holding on to the pants and I did this one huge push, ring of fire, the whole works, and the head came on and heard my husband say, what is that? And somebody said, that's your baby's head. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so then I did another really, really big push, shoulders halfway through the body. The last one, he came out and they put him on my chest and I'm like, oh, did I do it? And it was, it was literally like, where did he get this baby from? Like, I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, oh, did I do it? Did I do it? Did I do it? And they're like, yes. And everybody was just like cheering. My husband was cheering. He was like crying. And um, Fatima took all these like amazing pictures that it like had she not taken those, we wouldn't have any pictures. But I just could not believe it. And I, again, I still have no concept of time. But as my husband, I'm like, what day is it? What is it? What day is his birthday? And he's like, girl, we have been here for an hour. It's still the same day. Like, it, it's fine. It's still the same day. So they put him on my chest. And this whole time, I just was like, I'm going to have this other big, massive baby. And he ended up being eight pounds. So he was not, like, as big as his brother. But he was still a, a big boy. And he literally slid, <laughs> like, he slid right on out. So it, I don't know. It's a combination of, like, the walking that I did and all of the breathing and the techniques that Fatima um, taught me and the chiropractor and the positioning. But, and I had absolutely no issues with my C-section scar, either internally, externally, no hemorrhaging, like, like all the scary things they tell you could happen. And I know that they do happen, um, unfortunately, but I had none of that. And I just, I still like, this literally was like every single thing that I said was going to happen, like it happened. And I just kept saying it. And it, it was like a whole pandemic. So it was one day there were no doulas. The next day there were doulas. The next day I was at a new hospital. Like all of these things just happened like back to back to back to back to back. So if, so just to everybody out there, like if you have a birth plan, just stick with it, believe that it can happen. It's crazy things happen. Like this was like absolutely nuts that I ended up with a black midwife in this hospital after I switched so many times and, and so late. Just just set, set your intentions, believe that it's going to happen, and don't be afraid to change. Like, you don't hurt anybody's feelings, and even if you do, so what? Like, if, if someone is not giving you the care that you're comfortable with or that you feel like you deserve or you, you want, you need, you can switch, like, and I just kept switching. Like, I'm the poster child for that. I'm like, nope, don't like you, don't like you. You can, you can switch, and you can find who you are most, most comfortable with. But now I'm like 100% completely advocate for Black women taking care of Black women in birth, just because I had such 
a amazing experience and not just from like just the health standpoint but when she told me like girl no you're not doing this screaming it was just like yeah you know what auntie we're not doing all this screaming <laughs> like we're not <laughs> so like things like that are just like so important and like things that you don't think of um but that's it that's that's how i got my boy here we named him shiloh um he's five weeks now he's doing great uh, not much of a night sleeper, but he will sleep during the day. Um, yeah, so that's that's the story of how I got my my natural V back. Yo, the <laughs> fire and tenacity of you of like, this is what I want. <laughs> this is what I set my intentions to, and this is what's about to happen. The yeah. universe can align. <laughs> <laughs> like that's just yeah. that's powerful. And I know we laughed about it, but when you walked in, like, y'all not about to come with me in this calculator, BS. Not today. <laughs> yeah. And I actually, with the calculator, I actually, when I got to the car, I kept everything the same, weight, age, and I changed out black. Are you black? No, I'm not black. So this was 30, it was 30% when I had black. When I took out black, it went up to close to like 68%. So it literally is using race as this huge, huge, huge risk factor mm-hmm. in a way that's like just really unfair. Exactly, like, exactly. Um, and I think, yeah, the, the point of being able to have a care provider that is some, like knows our lived experience, knows, and not only just like the overall lived experiences, but like the small nuances we don't think about it. Like the way we talk to each other, the way we interact with each other, like all of that is a, like, it's important. It makes you feel safe. It makes you feel comfortable. Um, it allows you to be yourself in what is going to be one of the most vulnerable and sacred experiences when you can just really be like, I'm here, um, hot sauce in my bag, like, yo. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it feels good. Yeah. It feels good for sure. Feels like home. Yep. 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 Feels like home. It feels exactly like home. I'm thankful for you sharing um your your first story too, like how it just like laid the foundation for what you knew you wanted, even you know, once you had the second pregnancy, like really being able to not just just like Laurel said, setting those intentions and like universe be damned, you was like <laughs> regardless. Um, just how it kind of like yeah. one roadblock after another, like boom, can't do this, boom, can't do that. And it was like pivot, <laughs> pivot, like we're still doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and just showing up and having your partner be able to be there and be supportive of you. Um, while things are shifting and changing so much due to COVID. Um, yeah, this story is awesome. And I also want to talk about, we've talked about this before, but this registration situation <laughs> at these hospitals, okay? <laughs> Y'all got us pre-pre-registering, then we registering, pre-registering, then we got to, re- like, what is happening? <laughs> And I pre-registered and then I was there and they're like, we have no record of you registering. So like, I am like in so much pain and I'm like, no, I have the confirmation email, like frantically looking for the email. And then we just still had to stand here while we registered again. I'm also like, y'all been seeing me. A whole person been seeing me. Yes. Y'all can't just like transfer over 
the registration from being seen by a care provider that works at this hospital? I got questions. <laughs> there has to be something better in the process. Is it like, after I've registered, maybe I get a barcode, like a QR code or something. So then I show them from my birth and you're just like, beep. And we just keep it moving. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because that's all we have time for at this point. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> so true. Gosh. Uh, like, this okay. is her. Her right. face pops up when you hit the QR code. And they, like, here we go. We're exactly. ready. Like, that's it. <laughs> like, oh. I think you're on to like They don't want deal. people stealing births. They don't want that's you true. stealing health insurance or something. So even though you've registered, it really just... <laughs> no. Every story we hear, they're like, I pre-registered and then I got to the hospital and yeah, no like, recollection of me. Yeah, never heard me before. <laughs> no idea who I am. Every single story. Every single one. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how postpartum has been so far these five weeks? Yeah, so um it's it's a very different experience and and I was like I guess grateful, to, um, thankful to have like a decent C-section recovery the first time, but this is still a thousand times better. Like the, the recoveries for me don't even compare. Um, even in the hospital, it was, they asked me like, well, what do you want to eat? And I'm like, eat? <laughs> because after the C-section, I couldn't eat until I, I don't remember, I had to use the bathroom, I had to pass gas or it was something, but it was, it was an extended period of time I couldn't eat. So just how right after, and because I didn't have an epidural, I walked myself to the wheelchair where they, they rolled me down. I like walked myself to the bathroom. I was able to eat right away. So just that like immediate postpartum period was, was amazing. Um, so I, 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 I think I've had like a really great experience. I've been walking some days in the beginning. I did way too much because I was like, oh, I'm going to walk just because I can um, so, um, definitely had to reel it in a little bit, but now that I'm close to six weeks out, I, I feel great. We're, we're doing breastfeeding initially. Shiloh had a very painful latch, um, which was different from Jonah. Um, I saw a lactation consultant in the hospital, but in DC, they have the, um, breastfeeding center of greater Washington, which I went to with Jonah. Um, and then I went to this time with Shiloh and, the lactation consultant helped me fix his lash almost immediately. Like it just was like a positioning thing where I had a position one way that I was used to doing with Jonah, but he's a completely different baby. He just didn't like that position. And I switched him. So he's exclusively breastfed. Um, my husband is here um, due to coronavirus. So he's here more often and he's been able to be a really, a really big help. I've been taking help in a way that I didn't the first time. I'm like, yes, I need all the help. <laughs> I need somebody to take the three-year-old outside while I do this or whatever else I want to do. Um, but yeah, um, we both have gone got, gone to our checkups and everything is looks great. Um, so I've had like a really great postpartum um, period. Yeah. Oh, and my doula and Fatima came over and gave me a massage and a castor oil pack. Um, and she made me tea and brought me lactation cookies. Um, 
There was another birth story that you guys just I had. A, yeah. And her name was Nicole too. Yep. Was, <laughs> um, yeah, so that was that was a really great um experience too to have her um come over and to do that. Um so I I I'm all about black midwives and now I'm all about doulas too. Like when you first hear about it, if you don't know about it, this seems like look at this like first world like luxury but it's like you it's something that you like really really need like I felt she was just like so amazing like during the process and postpartum just and even like you know why don't you try warm warm water for this for to 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 help yourself heal why don't you drink this tea why don't you try this like little things like that that once you leave the hospital it's like you're on your own but she was still able to like provide those, those like supports and um, things for me as well. When you think about postpartum too, how has it been for your son um, having a sibling now and also your husband being um, a father too as well in that shift? Yeah, so my son is like obsessed with his brother, like to the point we have to say like, no, you actually cannot pick him up. Um, like he's obsessed with him. Um, I'm just kind of held up sometimes in the rooms, breastfeeding, when he cluster feeding. So I, I, I think it's harder on me than it is on him. Um, my mom is here, um, for a little bit. So he has grandma, so he really could be, could care less about what I'm doing. But <laughs> for me, it's so hard. Um, I was reading an article and a woman described it. She's like, well, I missed my older son. And sometimes I feel like I miss Jonah because he's, he's, but he's, he's, he's fine. Um, I think it's been an adjustment for me realizing like we can't, we can go outside today for 30 minutes and in the morning we can read a story and at night we can read a story as opposed to we go outside for two hours and we read three books and we do all of these things. It just, it just has to look different. Um, working really hard on carving out like specific time for him, like just him where we can just walk or we can go outside the other day we went outside like just the two of us like we used to all the time and it was just like a really a really great time for us um my husband too um he i'm held up breastfeeding his baby so he's with the boys a lot so really trying to make time for him but he's been just like really really great overnight when you have these breastfed babies it's really nothing the husbands can do overnight but he will get up and he'll talk with me and we'll make jokes about the baby like like when you gonna stop this like how do you feel about how you're acting right now um <laughs> things like that um so he's been great um it's been great having my mom here um and i'm just really thankful for all of the support that i have um i'm out of work now but i have a really gracious employer so i'm still being paid we have full paid um maternity leave for 12 weeks so I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm going to stay out longer. <laughs> I'm going to stay out for about uh, 16 weeks. Um, but um, it's just been really great. We've had friends and family check on us. Just a lot of really great things. Obviously, because of COVID, our places we can go are limited. The amount of people we're around is very limited. But um, no, you. I think for those of us who have multiples, there is like a huge transition when you go from one to two and then there's a transition each time but I think you know after that first one so much of you changes with that first kiddo and you spend so much like independent one-on-one -on -one time with them 
that it it is it's like a loss of what your relationship was before the other ones came and, mm-hmm. and it can be it's a huge adjustment it, it really it really is um, just making sure that you do carve out that time to get back some of the some of that similarity mm-hmm. yeah going going from one to two you're like wait hold up <laughs> there's two children here like what is happening like you're asleep but the other one is not like right <laughs> right that you can't nap. <laughs> and then that waiting for their age gap to catch up to them so they actually become partners <laughs> yep <laughs> I cannot wait until they can play together. Um, This last summer, when like because of COVID, it was just Jonah here by himself. Like he was, he had fun with me like a little bit, but he missed his friends. And I'm like, now you have this built-in buddy. So if this thing comes back through here next summer, at least you have somebody to play with. Right. I got you. See what I did for you, Jonah. Exactly. <laughs> I created this person for you to play with. Exactly. Oh. Nicole, is there anything else that you like to share with our listeners, other the resources, advice, or anything else from your birth experiences that you felt like it's important to share? Um, I think to just trust your body and, and really believe in the things that you want. And if someone is not giving you the care that you want, you can switch. Um, I was in a lot of like VBAC, like Facebook groups and things. And one of the things I think is important to say is like, sometimes you attempt a vaginal birth and it just does not happen. Um, and I think that's okay. And for if there's moms out there that had a C-section and want to attempt a VBAC, and they end up with a repeat C-section to know that like your body's not broken. You did everything that you could. And sometimes some people like physically have different things, different reasons, emergencies happen where you cannot get, um, have a VBAC or if you don't want to. Like if you looked at the risk and you, you think the, the risks are too great for you and for your family, then I think that that's a decision that you should feel, com- mom should feel comfortable in making and say like, this is not something that I'm going to do because I look back on it like, oh, this was a little bit crazy, like <laughs> that I just was like so determined like this and wouldn't take no for an answer. Um, if you can, I, I recommend everyone have a doula, um, just not even just the birth support that they provide, but when you are in labor and when you when you're giving birth, your partner is so busy, you're like completely like preoccupied with trying to get this baby out you need that person that can be the eyes and the ears and can remain calm when all of those things are happening um for breastfeeding if you need help get help get help early um and that's another thing where if you choose not to if it doesn't work out for you then that's okay too um really just trust your decisions like your babies are your babies you know what to do and if you don't ask for help but really just ultimately know that you you know what to do thank you so much for that really right right just thank you for that um and thank you for sharing your experiences with us today um gonna be invoking some nicole tenacity in myself today for sure (laughs) 
where it came from because this is not who, usually who I am. But when that woman tried to pull that calculator on me the second time, I was like, no, ma'am. <laughs> doing this. Well, we won't do. They need to throw the whole calculator away. Right. Trick no good. Throw it away <laughs> until you add racism and take my yeah, race exactly. off of it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> then you have to look at yourself, no, don't you? Am yeah. I a racist? Yes. <laughs> Check that goes into your calculator, right? I mean. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much. Um, cool. We really, really are grateful to Birth Stories in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com. 